Cool. So, um, Reformation Sunday, even though it's on Tuesday, often the Sunday before, sort of called Reformation Sunday, and um, that's what we're looking at today. We're looking, continuing our Five Solas series, which hopefully you've been enjoying. I know I've been uh, really challenged and reminded again of just the grace of God and how good He is. So, we're looking today at faith alone. And um, just on, I think, the next slide, I've got, actually... One work? Oh, it doesn't matter. All right, on the next slide, um, I, each week we've been looking at sort of each solar by itself. I thought it might be helpful just to see the big picture. Um, oh, wait, go to one before that. Can you go to the one before that? I think. Is there no other one? Is it there? I, don't, I thought I put it up. That's the one. There we go. Oh, that's hard to read anyway. Should have left it off. Um, all right, so I found this the other day from John Piper, and I thought it's, it's just a helpful way to see all the solars together and how they work. So justification, that's one of the key words for this morning. Justified, what does it mean to be justified before God? Justified means just if, if I had never sinned. That's the classic uh, line we get taught, you know, Justified, justified. So what does it mean to be, be able to stand right before God? What does it mean that we can actually stand before God, clean, forgiven? How does that work? So we are justification before God is by grace alone. So there's no merited favor. It's on the basis of Christ alone. So there's no other sacrifice. There's no other righteousness. Through the means of faith alone, which doesn't include any human works, to the end that all things lead ultimately to the glory of God alone, as taught with the final and decisive authority in the Scriptures alone. So that's the big picture. And we've been honing in sort of on each one each week, and today we look at faith alone. And so faith is the means by which we are justified, not by our works. Faith is what we do to receive grace. That grace is this this gift that we've been given by God, and, and faith is a matter of opening the gift and receiving it, enjoying it, and actually being under it. So now, I don't know about you, but this sounds well and good, and it's sort of, I don't know, if you've grown up in this church or in a church like it, you've probably heard um, these things before. But when you look to the Bible, and remember, we're biblical before we're Reformed, Bible first, that's the authority. When we look to the Bible, this is where things get a little bit confusing. Well, maybe not confusing, but I don't know. I'll put this up there. So it's Romans 3.28, so it says that Paul writes, For we hold that one is justified by faith apart from works of the law. And then later on in the Bible in James, it says, You see that a person is justified by works, not by faith alone. I haven't like, changed any wording or anything. You can look in your own Bibles and see it if you want. But seemingly that Paul and James are writing complete opposite things. Yeah? Like we can agree that they say opposite things, yeah? And so what have we done? Have we just picked the one that we like and gone with that? Or I don't know. So that's, this is our fun for today. This is like biblical nerd's dream like mine. It's like, okay, we're going to dig into this. We're going to find out what does the Bible say. And the one way 
one of the biggest things we do when we come to the Bible is not just pick verses out, but actually look at the context. What is the broader passage saying? What's the whole argument that Paul and James are writing? And in that, we'll actually see that they're saying very similar things, just in a different way. All right? So don't worry, I'm not going to undermine your whole faith in half an hour. All right? So we're going to actually reinforce that we're saved by faith alone. All right, so if you have your Bibles, we're going to turn to Romans chapter 3. It's also on the screens. And we're going to look at Romans first and then get into um, James. So Romans 3, we're going to go from verse 21 to 31. It says this, But now apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known, to which the law and the prophets testify. This righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference between Jew and Gentile, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and all are justified freely by His grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of His blood to be received by faith. He did this to demonstrate his righteousness because in his forbearance he had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. He did it to demonstrate his righteousness at the present time so as to be just and the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus. Where then is boasting? It is excluded. Because of what law? The law that requires works? No, because of the law that requires faith. For we maintain that a person is justified by faith apart from the works of the law. Or is God the God of the Jews only? Is he not the God of Gentiles too? Yes, of Gentiles too, since there is only one God who will justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised through the same faith. Do we then nullify the law by this faith? Not at all. Rather, we uphold the law. So if you follow Paul's thought in in Romans 3, he starts off um, and he says in verse 8 that there is no one righteous, not even one. You can read it. There is no one who understands. There is no one who seeks God. This is how Paul starts. And he's quoting an Old Testament passage. He's saying there is no one righteous. And I think that's an important starting point to sort of get where Paul's going with this. That No one is righteous, not even one that... Everyone is in this same boat. All have sinned, all fall short of the glory of God. And it's, it's by nature, and it's also by choice. You know, thank God that God chooses us, because I know for me, my sinful self, I'm not choosing Him. You know, like, that is what Paul's saying, that we're all in the same boat. No one is righteous. Yet, in verse 24, he begins to unpack this, we're justified by grace. And it's a free grace. It's this gift that is received by faith. So what does it mean to receive something by faith? We talked about grace last week. Michael DeCretzer did that one. But So today, focusing around faith, what does it mean to receive by faith? Um, if you read John chapter 1, John, you know, he outlines this uh, initial sort of Jesus, come, you know, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and then it comes, He came to earth and His own did not receive him. But in verse 12, John 1 verse 12, it says, Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, 
he gave the right to become children of God. So we receive, it means to sort of believe in his name. It means to believe in who he says he says he is. Right? It's not just to say, okay, Jesus was a man that came to earth, but actually believing that Jesus is who he says he is. It's to believe in his name. And like I said, we try and keep things pretty simple, but Jesus Christ literally can translate to Savior King or Savior Messiah, Anointed One. That can also be King. That's, what, that's his name. His name is our Savior and our King. And so when we're receiving Jesus by faith, that's what we're saying, that Jesus is our Savior and our King. And we know that we need it because no one is righteous. And so to receive by faith means to believe in his name, to believe he is who he says he is, that he's our Savior and our King. And, and Paul goes on to write that, that we're saved by this grace, received through faith, and it's not by our works. Because if it was by our works, then we would boast. And he says, no, boasting is excluded. That actually, we're saved by faith. However, he, he maintains at the end in verse 31 that it doesn't mean we just nullify the law. It doesn't mean that the law is not important or what we do is not important. He says, no, we still uphold the law. And that's a really important point to make because Paul is not saying, okay, you just believe by faith and what you do does not matter. He's saying, no, we still uphold the law. But here's the thing, the order is important. And he goes on in chapter 4 and he talks about, you know, he has this thing of like, if we're saved by works, then, you know, works receive wages. If you work, you get paid for what you do. And therefore, that's what righteousness would be if it was five works. You'd get what you deserve. Um, but he's saying, no, we've got this gift. Because if I get what I deserve, <laughs> it's not probably what I'm going to want. Going to want to want. Going to want to want. Want and want shouldn't go together. All right? If we're saved by works and we're following Paul's arguments, no one is righteous. So we're actually going to get what we deserve. And it's not righteousness. But we've been given this gift of righteousness. And he goes on to talk about Abraham. And it's interesting because James also uses Abraham as an example, as we're going to see in a moment. And remember, the whole point is that we're not saved by what we do, but we're saved by our faith. Um, However, how we live is still important. And it says in chapter 4, verse 18, it says, Abraham, against all hope, Abraham believed and so became the father of of many nations. So God came to Abraham with this promise that you'll be, you know, the father of many nations. He had no kids. He was 100 years old. Against all hope, he believes in that. He, like, he receives it by faith. And we're going to see later how that, how that led. But, you know, faith is, is obedience. It's, it's obeying when God calls. That's what it says in Hebrews. It says, by faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called. Faith is, you know, the classic Hebrews verse. It's the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. It's this deep sense that even though I can't see it, I can't feel it, I can't perceive it, I can't touch it, I can't see how I'm going to have kids when I'm 100 years old and, you know, I haven't had anything yet. Like, even though against all hope, I actually believe that what you say is true. And this deep assurance, this deep conviction has to lead to action. 
We're going to see that soon more. And if you follow Paul's thing through to chapter 5, chapter 5 verse 1 is, is, for me, I think it sums it up. He says, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into his grace in which we now stand. See, the order is important because if we're, if we're saved by faith and by grace, then we can actually have peace. Because if we're saved by our works, then how do you know if you've done enough? How do you know if you've sort of you know, met, this, met the quota for the week or for the day or anything like that? There's not peaceful living in my eyes. But actually, because we are justified by faith, we are made right by what God has done, we don't have to strive, we don't have to work our way into heaven, into the good books. We don't have to work our way to sort of righteousness, but we just simply receive the gift of grace. And so that's Paul's overall thought, that no one is righteous, that we're saved by this gift of grace, which we receive by faith. We're not saved by our works, but we're saved by grace through faith. However, that then leads to obedience. We don't disregard the law. We still uphold it, and we have peace with God. So that one's probably, you know, that's probably pretty standard stuff, you know. If you've, you know, often we talk about Romans. James, on the other hand, is a different, different beast. Martin Luther, in some of his writings, he sort of said, I want nothing to do with James. <laughs> he, he sort of talks differently to the rest. And so we're going to look at James chapter 2, if you've got your Bibles. We're going to have a read through this and get the context of, of what James is talking about in his passage where he says that we are not justified by our faith, but rather by our works. So James chapter 2, we're going to read verse 14 to 26. So James writes, What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or a sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, Go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. Because someone will say, You have faith, I have deeds. Well, show me your faith without deeds, and I'll show you my faith by my deeds. You believe there is one God. Good. Even the demons believe that, and they shudder. You foolish person. Do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? Was not our father Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see that his faith and his actions were working together, and his faith was made complete by what he did. And the scripture was fulfilled that says Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. And he was called God's friend. You see that a person is considered righteous by what they do, not by faith alone. In the same way, was not even Rahab the prostitute considered righteous for what she did when she gave lodging to the spies and sent them off in different direction? As the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. So the main point that James is trying to make, he says a number of times, is faith without deeds is dead. All right? He says a number of times, that's what James is trying to say, that 
faith without deeds is dead. And you can imagine like what would happen. James most likely would have written after Paul. And so you can imagine that what James is sort of alluding to was actually happening. That people were taking what Paul had said and twisting it and sort of using it to suit their own selves and saying, well, we're saved by grace. We can do whatever we want. It's not my works aren't important, so I can just live how I want to live and just say a prayer at the end of my life and go to heaven. And we probably hear similar things now. That actually, if, if Paul is saying what he's saying, if I'm saved by grace, not by works, then it doesn't matter what I do. And James is you know, coming in after that and saying, no, that, that doesn't work. Because faith by itself, if it does not have works, faith is dead. We show our faith by our works. You know, he says, even the demons believe. Belief is not just enough. Because otherwise, you know, the demons believe. But faith, is, it is active and is completed by our works. And he points to Abraham again. You know, Abraham, yes, he believed in the promise, like we read before that Paul writes. He believes in the promise. But then comes the test. <laughs> then comes God actually saying, you need to sacrifice your son. And it's like, okay, do you really believe in God's promise or not? That, you know, that's, if he really believes, then he's got to follow through with then God asking him to do what he's done, going to do. See, faith, because Abraham believed in what God has said and in his promise, that then led to the action of what he was to do. And obviously God came through and didn't, you know, didn't sacrifice his son. But this sense that actually pure intellectual belief is not enough. I think we all need to hear this because sometimes I can get trapped in thinking, okay, if I just believe these things, then I'll all be fine. But pure intellectual belief isn't enough. In fact, you know, it, it doesn't make sense. You know, if we, you know, a few examples for you. If we really believe that the Bible is the Word of God, like if we really believe this is God speaking to us, would we not read it? Like, like, and sometimes we go, okay, once a week I'll read it. Or, like, wouldn't we read it like every hour of every day if we really believe this was God speaking? I'm not saying I do this, by the way. <laughs> like, I'm in the front row here. You know, it challenges me. Like, if we really believe the Bible is God speaking, you know, if we believe that God is all powerful and all loving. And even if we have questions around that, we can't always see it. But if we actually believe that, wouldn't that lead us to actually pray about everything that came up in our lives because we know that God is loving and powerful? You know, if we believe that God provides every good gift, do we praise Him and give thanks for it? Now, what about the songs that we sang this morning? Like, if we believe that, that, that Jesus is a firm foundation, I will not be shaken. Like, do we actually build our life on him? Do we actually obey what he says and listen to what he says and try and actually live this out? You know, if we believe that the Spirit of God dwells in the people of God, does that change the expectations we have for when we gather? That we actually feel like actually there could be something powerful that happens here when we gather because God's Spirit is here? Do we expect God to work amongst us in our life groups or our grow groups or in our ministries or anything like that? Like if we really believe the Holy Spirit, God himself, is here. 
You know, if we believe that the Holy Spirit is in us, bearing fruit, transforming us, do we expect to see change? Do we expect to see growth? Not just in other people, but in myself. Or am I just sort of happy with how I am? But, you know, if we believe that the gospel is good news, do we share it? Do we enjoy it? Do we celebrate it? This is where, like, intellectual beliefs, like, they have to lead to action. Like, if we really believe these things. And of course, you know, we live in a broken world and, you know, we have, you know, a sinful side to us and it's, you know, forever going to be this journey. But I think we really need to look at, okay, if we believe these things, if we believe, like Michael talked about yes, last week, you know, if we, if we believe that we've received grace, then we have to then live that. Good theology has to lead to good practice can't just be good statements that we make and write down and they look good and they work together well. It has to lead to us living differently and that, that is what James is trying to say. That if, you, if we really believe these things, then it's lived out. Faith without deeds is dead. A lot of reformers put it this way, we are saved by faith alone, but not by a faith that is alone. So we're saved by faith alone. We're saved by receiving the gift of grace through faith. But we're not saved by faith that is alone. If that faith doesn't lead to action, if it doesn't lead to a life that's changed, then is it really faith? So, a few things, a few things to, um, to look at. Um, because for me, I hear these things and I, I write these things and I... I, I feel guilty sometimes. You know, I feel like, oh, I'm not doing enough. You know, I've got this massive gap between my beliefs and my actions. And a few practical things that I want to really just point out is that we can't be driven by guilt to work more. If that is all that you've heard this morning, that, oh, I don't live out what I believe, if that's all that you hear, then, uh, I don't know, you're hearing wrong. We can't be driven by guilt to work more. That's the whole point of the gospel, that we're saved by grace, not by our works. I think if that's all we're hearing, that I need to work more, I need to do this, I think that's our sinful nature calling us to independence, you know, calling us to religion and to rely on our, ourselves and our own work. Don't try and grow your faith on your own. Once again, if we believe that God is who he says he is, that God changes lives, that God has the power to then ask him to grow your faith. That's where the order is important. You know, Mark chapter 9, there's a story of a, a father who has his son demon-possessed. And you might know the story. The father brings his son to the disciples. The disciples couldn't heal him. And so he then comes to Jesus and he says, Jesus... If you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. And I love Jesus' response. He's like, if you can? Like, if you can? Like, do you believe or not? Do you not believe? Like, you're bringing your son to me. <laughs> do you believe that I can help him or not? Because now you're saying, if you can? And he's sort of, it's like Jesus messing with him. He says, if, if you can, everything is possible for the one who believes. That's Jesus' response. If you can? Why'd you bring him here? <laughs> and I love the man's response because I think this has got to be the response of us. He says, I believe. Help my unbelief. 
yeah, I believe, but I'm also struggling to believe. Your disciples couldn't do it. Can you do it? Do you want to do it? You know, of course there's going to be, you know, faith and doubt are not opposites. Our doubts are a part of our faith. Our questions are a part of our faith. But, you know, we're going to need to actually come to God and actually say, actually, I believe, but help me with my unbelief. If we want to grow our faith, then we need to ask God, the one who's actually got the power to do it, because we can't do it ourselves. The second thing I want us to hear is that we work differently. In Galatians 2, um, oh, that's a bit hard to say. In Galatians 2, um, you know, Paul's writing, sorry, Galatians 3, Paul's writing to the church there, and he, and he says, you know, you foolish Galatians, I would like to learn one thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit by works of law or by believing what you heard? Are you so foolish? After beginning by means of the Spirit, are you now trying to finish by means of the flesh? He's saying, you know, we believe, and I think this is often what I see in my life and I see in the lives around us, is that, you know, we believe we're saved by, by faith, but then we believe we're sort of perfected by ourselves. I think that's sort of, I think often the, maybe that's not what we say, but it's I think what, the way that we act. That we come to God and say, yeah, I'm saved by grace, but then we just try and go on our own effort to do everything else from there. I mean, I've been really challenged lately. Like, do I actually stop and actually pray about things? Or, you know, we went, were at the GLS a few weeks ago, and it's like leadership summit. And it's great. They give you a whole bunch of great teaching. And I came out of that and go, like, yes, I want to be a better leader. I want to be better at all these things that I want to do. And I started, like, making, like, little to-do things. And, okay, I'm going to do this, go do this and do and like I've, I was reflecting this week, at not one point did I actually stop and pray and ask God to actually help me become a better leader. You know, and I just saw that I'm just totally relying on my own effort and not relying on God. So we need to know that we work differently now. Because we're saved by grace, we continue by grace, not by our own works. That the Spirit is in us. God's given us the power. God has given us himself to lead us into the life he wants us to live. And so we need to trust him. We need to call on him and ask him. And once again, it's not that we don't work. That's the whole thing of James. It's not that we don't do anything. But it's a matter of trust. Do you actually trust in your own effort or do you trust in God's spirit? And you can apply that to any situation in your life. You can apply that to your own journey. You can apply that to your family, to your friends' lives. You can apply that to your ministry, to your life group, to our church, you know, to anything. Am I relying on my own effort and trusting that I can figure it out and, and do these things? Or am I actually going to rely on God's strength? And I think I've, we've got to ask ourselves these questions. We've got to examine this and and the test is, when's the last time you stopped to pray about it? You know, that, that for me was the test. When's the last time I actually stopped to pray about these things? You know, when is the last time I actually stopped and prayed about, you know, my small group boys that I'm leading? Or am I just trusting that I can impart my superior knowledge to them in ways that they'll be able to grapple? 
you know, like, am I relying on my own strength or am I going to actually rely on God to do what he has said he would do? And lastly, like I sort of mentioned before, the order is important. You know, the question for faith alone for this morning is this. Do you work from a place of justification or are you working to try and get there? You know, I, I, I had this sort of image as I was preparing of a, of a king's table. Imagine, like, in your mind, like, I love, like, medieval sort of Lord of the Rings, like, that sort of scene of movies and pictures and stuff. So, like, just imagine, like, a king's table, like a massive banquet, huge party, all the best food, the best entertainment, you know, there's one seat left. You know, and it's the place to be. It's, it's pumping. The whole town is there. You know, like I said, it's the best food, the best people, and above all, the perfect king. And, you know, you can try and earn this seat. <laughs> you know, you can try and impress people. You can try and grab the king's attention and say, hey, look at me, look at all these things I've done. You can try and work hard, be a good person, be noble, be loyal. But in the end, it's not going to work out. No one is worthy. That's, that's why the seats are empty. It's because you can't earn your place there. You know, or you can just sit and stop, receive the invitation, listen to the call, humbly approach the table, look at the name, see your little place card there with your name on it, believe it's actually you, sit down, receive it, enjoy forever. That's, that's the picture of the gospel. You don't have to earn it. The seed is yours. But it's received by faith. You need to believe that actually Jesus is who he says he is, that he is the king, that he is worthy to be praised, and he is worthy to be followed. And once you're seated there, the Bible says that no power, no principality, nothing on this earth can separate you from God's love. Nothing can take you from the seat. Nothing can remove you from the place. The seat is yours. That is grace by faith. You've been seated at the king's table and nothing can take it from you there and nothing can put you there except the king himself. So we receive the gift. We believe in his name. Jesus Christ, our Savior and our King. And so just to finish up, I just want to read Ephesians 2. In Ephesians, Paul gives a really good summary of, of grace through faith. That's a passage probably many of you are familiar with. So in Ephesians 2, verse 1, Paul writes, And you are dead in the trespasses and sins. That's what he's saying before. No one is righteous. Not even one. No one seeks God. No one understands that we were dead in our trespasses and sins in which we once walked. We were following the course of this world, following the prince of power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived, and we lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and we were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. You know, all have sinned, all fall short, and we're, we were no different. 
But I love verse 4. But God. But God. Not you. Not but you and your great works. Not your parents and what they believed and they've passed on to you. But it says no, but God. Being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he has loved us. Even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised up with him, seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. You know, I love that, that. that That's the seat that we've been given. A seat in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That it wasn't us who seated there. It says God seated us there by grace through faith. In verse 7, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For, gra- for by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works so that no man can boast. We don't boast about the seat that we've got. We boast about the king who seated us there. It's not our own works. We didn't choose the seat, but God made us alive. He seated us in the heavenly places, and all glory goes to him. And then verse 10. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. That we've been given this seat at the table. We are completely justified, completely forgiven, completely washed clean of all of our sin. We can't earn God's love. We also can't lose God's love. We are completely washed clean so that the Holy Spirit now lives in us and has got some things for us to do. And so we move forward in that work. We walk in them day by day, not to earn the seat. And we need to continually remind ourselves that, that the way that we live for God is not to earn favor, not to earn His love, not to earn His satisfaction or His approval. That's not how God works. But no, our works are a response to what we believe. They're an act of worship. All for His glory. And that's how we move forward and live. Believing in who God He says He is. Receiving by faith that He is our Savior and our King and living accordingly. Amen? Amen. I'm going to invite our um, youth band up. We're going to finish with a song, This I Believe, which is apt, I'm sure. But I really want us to think, like as we actually sing this song, that is, if this is something that we really believe, if we believe that God is who He says He is, that He's rose again, that He's the victor, that He is God three in one, even if they're sort of hard things to, to understand, if we believe this is who He says He is, let's sing that with praise and with thanks and with honor to our King. Amen? Let's stand. Um, this morning, we'd love to pray with you or chat with you. If there's been something this morning that you've been challenged by, you've been encouraged by, we'd love to chat, pray with you. There'll be people up here that would love to pray with you. There'll be people next to you, I'm sure, that would love to pray with you and find someone. And particularly this morning, if you feel like, yeah, I've never like received grace. I've never actually 
lived in that way, knowing that I'm saved by grace through faith. If that's particularly you, I'd love to chat with you and pray with you for that as well. Um, I just wanted to finish with this at the end of, uh, in the start of Ephesians, uh, Ephesians 2 Thessalonians. Um, Paul writes this to the church. He says, To this end, we always pray for you, that our God may make you worthy of his calling and may fulfill every resolve for good and every work of faith by his power, so that the name of our Lord Jesus may be glorified in you and you in him, according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. That's my prayer this morning, that God would actually continue to make us who he wants us to be, that we would do those works of faith by his power through his grace. Amen.